0: And welcome to Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Chris Carter here with Kevin Offstriker. It's Steelers-Ravens week, y'all. Week 18. Winner maybe goes forward. Probably not because the Jaguars got to beat the Colts. But we don't care about that because loser goes home for sure. And it's a huge week for both of these teams whose seasons have gone in directions that they hoped it didn't. But here we are. Both teams have something to play for. Cleveland doesn't. The Bengals have basically uh, have already said Joe Burrow's not even playing in their final week. They're resting and getting him ready for the playoffs. So you're now you're in a situation. I'm Chris Carter here with Kevin. We're talking. We're talking Steelers Ravens. I, I, w- I want to lead this off, Kevin. Well, first of all, Kevin, how you doing, my man? In the new year and everything that that that's leading into 2022.
1: Yeah, Chris, a new year. And uh, I think for the Ravens, it's something that's very needed. As you talked about the injuries, talked about the direction the seasons have gone for both teams, but yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm excited that this is the game we get in week 18, the first ever week 18 in in the NFL. So (laughs) starting it off right, I think, with what is, I think, the best rivalry in in all of football. But I'm excited for this game. Trell Suggs being the legend of the game, I think, has gotten both fan bases feeling some type of way, And, and I'm ready. Let's do it.
0: So that was where I wanted to go to first, because there's been a lot of talk, of course, this has been nostalgia past couple weeks for Pittsburgh Steelers fans, of course, Ben Roethlisberger playing what's ultimately going to be his last game at Heinz Field, uh, Monday night, and the Steelers went over the Browns. And then the next day, we're talking to Mike Tomlin during his press conference and he's talking about the the, the, the the history of the rivalry and the impact of it. And he talked about, he's like, what always made the rivalry was the players who played it. You know, Hines, Warden, Ed Reed, Polamalu, and Flacco, and then Ben and Suggs. You know, those guys. Be, and of course, Ben and Suggs are really tied to each other because there's been a lot of trash talk between the two. There's been a lot of big plays from Terrell Suggs where he sacks Ben Roethlisberger. There's been plays where Ben's escaped him or thrown touchdowns and done crazy things. And And, that's, and he's right. That's built the legacy of this rivalry. And then here you are. Ben's, what might be his last, what might be his last game, last regular season game, and you know, definitely his last game in Baltimore. you he com- comes in, and the guest of honor that the Ravens are going to have to, you know, to be part of the game is Terrell Suggs, the guy who is who terrorized Ben Roethlisberger for years in the AFC North. But Ben Roethlisberger, we talked to him. I talked. We talked to him at the practice facility on Wednesday uh, for the Steelers, and you know he said like, you know, Suggs and I are friends. Like we we text, we text, and like when when I heard that, I we we immediately were chatting it up because we were like, this is going to be really cool. It, it's it's so it's so funny. We were talking about this off camera, Kevin. It's so funny to me how the the rivalry has changed from complete and utter hatred to this like respectable indifference.
1: Yeah, and you know it's because i think at least for ravens fans right now the Bengals are the biggest rival for them because of the way that the Bengals have you know for lack of better terms beat them down over those Mm -hmm. over these games in the 2021 season cleveland also but with pittsburgh you have two teams that look they don't like each other (laughs) like Mm -hmm. you know that that's still a very big fact but it has turned to that to that more like hey, you know what, we do respect them, and they're a good football team, and they have talented players, and I don't think that lessens the rivalry anymore, but, you know, you look back on the the Heinz Ward hit to Ed Reed and the Ben breaking his nose and all these different memories that a lot of different people have dating back to, you know, Ben's first game, which, yeah. which is kind of funny that, you know, now he's ending it. It seems like at an m and Stadium. Mm-hmm. So for the Ravens, you know, this is a game, as you talked about a bit earlier there, Chris, it's still means a lot to them in terms of not only the team they're playing this week but in terms of their playoff implications they're not huge right they do need a lot of things to happen as do the steelers but It does mean that both teams have things to play for. And with the way that both teams have played this year, they're not going to roll over. They're not going to tank and say, well, let's get the better draft pick. As you know, it's probably not. No, these are going to be two teams that go all out. You know, the Ravens would love nothing more than to send Ben Roethlisberger home with a loss in his final game. And it's something to that nature where I'm excited that the Ravens and Steelers get to play one last time. The Ravens have had a slew of divisional games here over the second half of the season. They've had a rough second half of the season, but. Regardless of if they make it, if they don't make it, you know, a win against the Steelers in their final game would go a, a very long
0: way. It certainly would. Um, you know, and, and the Ravens, it's it's been rough for them all year long. We knew before the start season even started, their their backfield, their running back room was was depleted. Their cornerbacks have just been picked apart one by one with injury, COVID, you name it. It's happened to them, and it, it's tough to maintain that. And then you even lose Lamar Jackson. But that's what I wanted to focus upon it with my next question is because. You know, there's been, you know, you know Pittsburgh fans and, and I'm, I'm not one of the, again, I cover the Steelers. I have a lot of respect for Lamar Jackson. So I'm not one of the, you know, one of the, I'm not on the side of the Steelers fans that say, Oh, Lamar Jackson's a running back and this, that, and the third, but there's Pittsburgh fans who are insinuating, Oh, why don't they just keep Tyler Bentley and just send Lamar Jackson packing? And I'm like, that's a that's that, that's really short-sighted just because Tyler Bentley's had some cool games where he put up really good numbers and you know he almost beat Aaron Rodgers and things like that but Kevin is there is there any upheaval in in, in amongst Baltimore fans and Raven Nation to just to say like hey like maybe maybe Tyler should get more of a look or does everyone kind of know hey Lamar's still the guy we just gotta let him get healthy
1: well, you know, Chris, you'd be surprised how many Baltimore fans are kind of on the "Is Lamar Jackson the right player" train. It's mm-hmm. not many. It's it's not many. Many know that he is. You know, for you know, straight up the better player. Yeah. But it's easy to kind of tear one of these players down while lifting up the other. Where I think it's easy to lift them both up. I mean, look, Tyler Huntley's a great player, but. You know, at this point, there are obvious reasons why Lamar Jackson is the starter. I mean, not only three months ago, he put up that stat line against the Colts where he completed 37 of 42 passes and, you know, four touchdowns that come back win. And look, you know, sure, it was almost three months ago, but Jackson hasn't played in almost a month. And it's a, what have you done for me now lately league. And before Jackson got injured, he was admittedly struggling very badly. And so people see the most recent performances by him. They see a team that is now eight and eight instead of eight and three, but Jackson has barely played in, you know, any of those games. The last game Jackson completed fully healthy was week 13 against the Steelers. Mm -hmm. So people, the MVP season is now, you know, 2019 is a bit farther behind now than it was last year or two years ago. And so people are saying, well, you know, he's kind of regressed a little bit, this, that and the other, but. I don't. I don't. Yeah, statistical regression, sure, but I, I think any player who's coming off an MVP season, if they continue to improve their stats, they're going to have seventy touchdowns by the time they're twenty-seven. So, for Jackson and for Huntley, the Ravens have to feel good about their quarterback situation, knowing that they have a star in Lamar Jackson and somebody who has proven in Tyler Huntley that he can come in and win football games, and at least if he can't win them, put them in situations to win them, just a play or two out, which is, you know, I think. Coming off of the RG3 days, where no disrespect to RG3, but he just was not the player he once was in Baltimore. I, I now feel a lot more confident in their quarterback situation, knowing that Tyler Huntley is the player he is, but Lamar Jackson is by far in away way the starter on this team, and for good reason.
0: No, Yeah, I agree. He, he should be the starter. Now, I have a quick defensive question before we throw it to our first break. The Ravens have the number one rushing defense in the NFL right now. 84.8 yards, yards per game allowed, You know, really strong. What has built that in spite of, the, the other problems on the defense because the cornerback room has been depleted, you know, and, and again, it isn't that it's just that people aren't running the ball. The Ravens are also number three in yards per carry allowed right now. So like, you know, it's, it's not that people aren't ru- just, just aren't running the ball against them. It is that this run defense has been stout and the past defense has kind of held it together as best it, it could. Who are the players that are doing that the most to try to keep this defense from falling apart?
1: Yeah, the run defense has been great this season, and I think part of it, yeah, is definitely the talent they have. Brandon Williams has had a resurgence in the second half of the season. He had kind of struggled a bit earlier in the first half, actually missed some time with an injury, and maybe that injury was really affecting him because he's looked like a different player in the second half of the season. Clay's Campbell's still playing very high-level football. Uh, There are questions about those two and their futures in the NFL, whether they retire after the season or not, but those two have been the main you know, guys to really hold down this run defense. Justin Matabique, who is a young defensive tackle out of Texas AM, his second season is, you know, this the stats aren't there, but the impact is. And I think you see that every week with him in both the run and pass defense. But it's been amazing because they haven't had Derek Wolf for the entire season. And Wolf was arguably their best run defender last mm. season. And he's been out with back issues and other issues, which you know, have left them with kind of a hole, but they've had Justin Ellis, who's a big nose tackle, step up and and help out. Roderick Washington. They've had a nice resurgence from Patrick Queen over the second half of the season. He's looked faster, flying to the football, tackling guys for loss, and Josh Bynes also. So their front seven has played really well. Justin Houston's been great. And I've always mm-hmm. been great. It's been it's been a collective effort by their front seven, and also some of those defensive backs coming up and stopping the run Marlon Humphrey's always a great player against the run. He's not there anymore, you know, with his injury, but it's, it's a group effort from them. And it's been impressive to see that. Yes. With the past defense struggling, especially with the injuries, the run defense has been able to hold its own.
0: It certainly has, but you know, anytime you get these two teams playing each other, throw out the record book, throw out whatever their stats are, it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to come down to a, a tough, hard fought game, but when those hard fought games, you have a chance to make money on Bet Online. Kevin, tell them what they can do there.
1: Yeah, there's a lot, Chris. Bet Online, it's a new betting year at Bet Online, and Bet Online's continuing their march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online still remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and there's a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing. And even UFC, right to your favorite Vegas know games. Don't wait; take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. We are back here. Our second segment of this crossover Thursday the last one of the regular season for both locked on Steelers and locked on Ravens Kevin Ostriker a locked on Ravens still here with Chris Carter of locked on Steelers and Chris again as I've said I'm excited for this one and part of it is because the Ravens have an opportunity to send out Ben Roethlisberger with a loss on the Ravens side. Now, obviously on the Steelers <laughs> side people are wishing for a, a few different things than that that's probably not on their wish list but Chris I'm curious to hear just about the mood in Pittsburgh right now surrounding Ben Roethlisberger there has been you know a lot of love, a lot of hate for Roethlisberger is a player over the course of his career. But recently, you know, it's been, oh, he's a shell of himself. You know, he can't throw the football da, da, da down the field, this, that, and the other. But as his career seemingly c- comes to an end here in week 18, whether the Steelers make the playoffs or this regular season career comes to an end, well, what's the mood in Pittsburgh right now? Is it more of, hey, you know, greatly appreciative, or is it more, all right, get out, we're ready for a, for a new quarterback to come in?
0: Well it's definitely greatly appreciative. Like, you know, like the if you had seen the scene at at, at Heinz Field for that for that Browns game and a game where Ben attempted forty-six passes and only had 123 yards through the air. Like I, I don't I don't I don't know if someone's ever done that and won a game before. Like I, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not a wizard on how to pick up stats like that. It might be something that I try to do in the offseason, see if I figure, figure that out. But yeah, that's it, you know, it's uh, everyone's kind of uh, you know, even the people that are super diehard Ben fans. Like, like whenever Ben makes a mistake, and I point it out on my Twitter account, I get accosted like, "Oh, Chris, you're stupid. You're 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 seeing it. You're you're not talking about this guy. or talking like he threw it right to the other team. There, that's on him." And at the same time, like you know, I'm not like, you've you've known me. I have a lot of respect for Ben Roethlisberger, but there's certain people that don't want to let that part of it go. Even in this game, there were times where he would skip a wide open pass, and they're like, "He's under pressure." And I'm like, "There was no one in his face. It's just he's at that point of his career." But I think seeing that has kind of allowed even those fans to kind of be like, this is it. Like, this has to be it. They can't bring him back next year. Um, You know, and if they did, it would be like on like a minimum contract because they need to rebuild so many other parts of the roster. They need to invest in the offensive line, the defensive line, you know, get another linebacker to pair with Devin Bush, another cornerback to replace Joe Hayden. You know, that's like, you know, there's, there's things they got to do, but in large, in larger part, you know, the, The people there there are some people out there that i'm i guarantee you there are people that are like by ben and like they're happy but those are like that's like the small minority the large majority is that like hey ben We salute you for 18 years of being a Pittsburgh Steeler, for being a two-time Super Bowl champion, for being a three-time AFC champion, for, you know, for for all the great clutch. Even when they weren't winning Super Bowls, the great clutch plays like, you know, Christmas Day hitting Antonio Brown at the goal line and him getting the extension. Um, You know, I mean, in in this rivalry alone, Ben Roethlisberger has so many game-winning drives. That have that 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 have brought Steelers fans a lot of joy, and at Heinz Field it was there was just such a huge tribute from the fans in attendance online. There was just people like tweeting, out, like, "I'm I'm crying looking at Ben Roethlisberger in this last game. Like this is so amazing, and for them him to get a win last week was huge. And the and fans, Steelers fans, they they're like, listen, we want one more win so that Ben can go out on a win streak. And if he gets to the playoffs, great. If not. It's fine. This was kind of a re- this was already a rebuild year. Um, but it's it's definitely more of an appreciative side here in Pittsburgh.
1: Yeah, and you know that that Christmas game is will haunt a lot of Ravens fans <laughs> for a very long time. We're talking about a game winning drive there from, you know, back when the Killer Bees were still there. But uh, you know, as one chapter is ending for the Steelers, it seems like another is just beginning, and that's the chapter in the career of Najee Harris who has been, I think, a great addition to the Steelers team. I loved them coming out of the draft and, you know, thought that, you know, I didn't think the Ravens would surprise people by drafting another running back, but people Mm -hmm. were talking about it. Well, what if they did? What if they did? He ends up going to Pittsburgh. He's averaging four yards a carry behind an offensive line that has been bad. Yeah. uh, There's there's no sugar (laughs) coating
0: it. They've been bad.
1: It's been an offensive line, but maybe not (laughs) the best. So, Chris, what's the excitement level for Najee Harris moving forward in in, in his, his rookie Season seemingly comes to a close, whether there are playoffs or not attached to it. How how has his season been for you overall? What's the excitement level
0: moving forward for his career? Oh, the excitement level is through the roof, not just because he's a player, but because of how he carries himself. And it's really funny. You talked about how, you know, the, the, the changing of the guard and the changing of eras and moving on. But Ben Roethlisberger talked about just Wednesday morning with us about how it was, it's crazy for him because when he started his career, Hall of Fame running back Jerome Bettis was ending his. And he was like he wanted to win for Jerome. He wanted to get send Jerome out, you know, on, on top. And granted, Najee can't do that. But, like, Ben talked about, like, seeing him run that last touchdown in against the Browns to make sure that he gets that the last win that he can in Heinz Field, like, that means a lot to him. And then Najee spoke Wednesday as well, saying, like, I wanted to do that for him. He's talked to me all year about what I can be and who I can be to this franchise and how I can carry the torch on that. That relationship is there. And there is that sense of Ben's trying to pass the flag on to the next guy because they know it's not Mason Rudolph. They know it's not Dwayne Haskins. They know if they're going to, if there's, you know, if one of them is a is a temp is the quarterback, it's going to be temporary, but the star of the offense moving forward will be Najee Harris. And I think it's a, it's a good idea making the running back that while you go try to find your your quarterback. So then whoever does come in, whether it's a rookie or a veteran that you hope to groom and turn into a star for your team, they know that they have a, a super playmaker back behind them, kind of like how Derrick Henry is for Ryan Tannehill. And uh yeah, that, that's absolutely a factor here. People are very excited. And when you talk to Najee Harris, he gets it, he gets football. Like, you know, he talked, he talks about how, like, yeah, I know how like Franco Harris and uh you know Jerome Bettis and Willie Park and like all these other guys in the in the history of the franchise, you know, there's a ton of respect for how the running back has been so important to Pittsburgh. I mean, Kevin, I don't know if you've ever flown into Pittsburgh international airport, but when you're coming down the escalators, there's two statues, one of George Washington and the other of Franco Harris in the immaculate reception. And that's, that's kind of what is the importance of Pittsburgh. It's like, Hey, there's the first president. And then here's the first guy to win <laughs> Pittsburgh, a playoff game. Like that's, that's, that's the importance of it. And Najee gets that. And so I, I think people are super excited because he seems like a well put together young man. He seems like a well put together future leader and a heck of a running back who's already he's fourth in rushing yards and fourth in yards from scrimmage and again behind an offensive line that's been just bad pretty much all season they were good against Cleveland last week I will give them that they 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 stepped it up but for the for the most part they've made him have to work very hard for his yards
1: yeah I think Najee Harris is going to be a great football player for a very long time and as a connection to Raven Marcus Peters You know, Mm -hmm. that's something, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we're not going to see on the football field this season, but if Peters is back in Baltimore next year, hopefully we'll see two matchups of that in 2022. But Chris, another person I want to kind of gauge the mood on in Pittsburgh right now is Chase Claypool, somebody Mm -hmm. who, immensely talented, has shown that throughout his first couple of seasons in the league, but has had a couple of mental mistakes Mm -hmm. and some areas where people are looking at a player like Juju Smith-Schuster and saying, look, Juju plays hard. He leaves it all out on the field, and Mm -hmm. you know what you're getting in a player like him. But with Claypool, you see the talent, you see the potential, and then there's the, whether it's the celebration when the Steelers need to move the clock and Mm -hmm. he gets the first down and all that. What's the mood on Chase Claypool right now? Are people kind of over it, or are people saying, all right, let's give him another chance, Let's, let's have him figure it out, and hopefully he can figure it out?
0: I mean, people are are just saying, grow up, Chase, please. Like, that's kind of the message right now in Pittsburgh. Uh, Even before him pointing for the first down when they needed to get to spike the ball against the Vikings on the the last minute drive, um, you know, even before that, when they got blown out by the Bengals. Uh, the the next Monday we have a we have a our our weekly Zoom with like a couple players and he's one of the players there and you know when when we asked him as the as the reporting pool and we asked him you know Chase you know what are some things that you guys could do at practice to kind of you know make things more lively you know get you guys back in and kind of focused he's like you know we could play music during practice and like. It was like a record scratched, and we all looked at each other in the Zoom, like, "Are you what? Did he just say that?" And then Cam Hayward was on the radio, and like he was like he was like he was doing a different interview, and he's like, "I had to pull the headphones out of my ear and throw them because I just couldn't understand." And I think that's the thing, Chase Claypool. He's young, he you know he's very spirited, and he wants to be he wants to be in the fun level thing. And like Juju, he's always been about fun, but you see Juju, he's not doing those dumb things on the field. Like the most that he did was dance before games. And again, the dance before the games—it didn't impact the games. He still went out there and he was still fighting. He was still trucking people. He was still blocking people. You saw the effort. Chase Claypool's blocking has 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 has, uh, has regressed this year. His catching ability has regressed this year. He hasn't gotten as open this year. Now, part of that's also Ben Roethlisberger limitations. We'll see next year with a new quarterback how that works it out. But. You know Chase Claypool. Everyone wonders. You know every time he gets thrown the ball, he he has to leave his feet and then he falls down. It's like man, catch the ball, keep you know keep it keep it going. There's hope that he could turn it around. Like you know, I, I remind people all the time with Deontay. This time last year with Deontay Johnson, everyone thought that he was just well. That's just a lost cause. And there and then here he comes in and he's one of the better receivers. You know you know in the AFC North with the way that he's able to get open and he's had a couple of drops in the last few games, but for the most part leading the season, he's been he was very consistent. So there's hope that Chase Claypool can mature. But um, I think that the other part of this is that there's a lot of young Steelers that that are that are emerging as leaders that are kind of drowning out Chase Claypool. And it's like either you get with the program and you'll be with this crew or in two years when your contract is up, you won't. Right. I think there is
1: still hope for Claypool. I mean, you the talent level is. Clearly there, but yeah, some of the mistakes have been inexcusable. And yep, yeah, I'm sure that he and obviously the organization, they all know that. But Chris, a quick defensive question for you here. Mm-hmm. You know, the Steelers' defense hasn't been, I think, what they want it to be this year, you know, whether it impacted by injuries or poor play execution, play calling, and whatnot. But you have a team that. You know a lot of people had high expectations for this defense coming in and in terms of yards per attempt, they are the worst team in the nfl giving up 4.8 yards per carry mm-hmm. net yards per attempt passing they've been in the middle you know six that's 16th in the nfl but what have been some of the things that have gone right and also gone wrong for this defense in 2021
0: well, no i'll start with what's gone wrong is that you know they this team was going to bank itself on being a team that is able to is able to win up front. It's defensive front, whether it's its defensive linemen and its edge rushers. They were going to crush you, and they and you weren't going to get past them. It was going to allow Devin Bush and Joe Shobert to kind of just be free roaming linebackers. That hasn't happened. You know, Stephon Tuitt never played a game this season, and he was a guy that is an interior defensive lineman with eleven sacks last year. The only other guy not named Aaron Donald with double digit sacks. Uh, you know, at that, at that position. And then Tyson Olulu, the guy they brought back to be the nose tackle, he he's been out, for, he's been out for the season. So, it, that has forced, and then the other guys like Carlos Davis, that's forced guys like Henry Mondu off the practice squad. They went and had to sign Montrevious Adams off the practice squad. Isaiah Loudermilk, a fifth-round rookie to step in. And those have been the guys lining up next to Cam Hayward trying to fill in the void there. And it's been tough. You know, they're adjusting each week, and some weeks they put together really well, and other weeks they, they don't read their keys. They're not on the game plan as much. And I think what's held the defense together in its toughest moments has been T.J. Watt being a complete beast and Cam Hayward being a beast and Minka Fitzpatrick being the safety valve that comes up. And when everything else goes wrong, he limits the play and says, you're not going to get a touchdown. You're going to have to finish this drive without that big play. Um, So there's, it's been a lot of injuries that have have tested it a little bit. Um, They haven't had, um, they haven't, they haven't had those guys kind of step up. Devin Bush has taken a little bit longer to recover from his, his torn ACL last year than they had hoped. Um, you know, but also, I mean, I think that you've seen, you know, Joe Hayden's missed a lot of time and he's probably going to miss this game now with, uh, you know, now that he's on the COVID list, um, you know, as is the defensive coordinator, Keith Butler. Uh, But, you know, but they've, they've seen, you know, some guys, Kim Sutton's done okay. Uh, They ruined coming on. But the, the bottom line is this defense goes with TJ Watt. Uh, The Steelers are nine and three when he plays all four quarters of a game. And uh, those three games are games where he, are the games he came back from injuries. All, they have either lost or tied every single game that he hasn't played in throughout the entire game. And to me, that's that that's when you talk when you're talking about MVP most valuable players, that's what TJ Watt brings. I mean, and you see he's played in what 14 games this season. And he has 21 and a half sacks. He's he's getting pressure at a ridiculous rate. Uh, when you look at the amount of times he's actually told the to blitz, because there's a lot of times he'll drop into coverage. Like last week, he took he, he I think he had two batted passes where he jumped into Baker Mayfield's passing lane, knocked the ball down and was like, that's we knew that you were going there. And then on another play, he goes back and he sacks him four times. TJ's just—he become the best edge rusher in all of football, and he gets double team, he gets held, he gets triple teamed, but he still finds a way to win. I, I think really he's the linchpin here that's kind of put everything together. And once he's out of the picture, the defense finds—you know—is it, struggling. But him and Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, those are the guys that have kind of emerged as the the, the three kings of the Steelers defense. And I think the next year, the Steelers, they're going to reinvest in that defensive front. They're going to hope that Tua can get back healthy. They might keep Montrevious Adams because he's been a good add. They like Isaiah Loudermilk. But I think you're going to see them pay a little bit to get a better cornerback to replace Joe Hayden. I think you might see them either keep Terrell Edmonds or sign someone a little bit better there. I think you might see them... Go and sign another inside linebacker Devin bush and that might put them the defense back where it was just you know even a year ago before they lost bud dupree and devin bush and then the slew of defenders they got hurt uh in their final four games
1: yeah you know it's been kind of a ragtag team put it together on the defensive front for the steelers this season and i know the ravens have gone through that in the secondary so it's just like what was expected coming into the season and what they kind of built their defense on you know, it just wasn't there for them, and it's something that both teams can kind of look at and say, well, you know, at the end of the day, the Ravens and the Steelers have gone through their injury issues, mm-hmm. but, you know, they have still put together some positives on the defensive side of the bubble. We'll head into our final break. we'll make it back. We'll be talking about some AFC North talk as well, so some key matchups for this week, a team matchup between the two teams, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be right back.
0: And of course, we got to talk about Get Upside. Hey, Steelers and Ravens fans, this is Chris Carter, and Kevin Talk coming at you with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store, or Google Play right now use promo code touchdown to get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up that means you're getting up to 50 cents cash back don't pay full price at the pump anymore get cash back using get upside just download the app for free and use promo code touchdown and get that 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank some people who drive a lot are making as much as two or three hundred dollars a month in cash back and there's no catch the cash back gets added right to your account you can cash out anytime to your bank account paypal or an e-gift card for amazon and other brands just Download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank AMS promo code TOUCHDOWN on the GetUpside app. Wrapping things up here on Crossover Thursday, it's Chris Carter. It's Kevin Ostreicher. We're talking Steelers Ravens. Let's get to some matchups. Kevin, first thing I got to ask you about, the health and status of Lamar Jackson versus Tyler Huntley versus whatever we might see in this game. Mike Thomas talked about how both are the mobile kind of quarterbacks that you know you have to contain. What are the Ravens looking at this week? Yeah,
1: Chris, well, Lamar Jackson did not practice on Wednesday. So that is not a good start. He's only practiced once ever since injuring his ankle in the week 14 yes. against Cleveland. In the one time he did practice, there was a video that was put out of him kind of throwing and work. running down the field, and he was limping. He did not look like himself. And you know, part of that could be the core, part of it could be this, but bone bruises are difficult for sure. And there's a real possibility that we don't see Lamar Jackson again this year, uh, whether the Ravens win or lose, because one playoffs to just the injury itself and if Tyler Huntley is the guy this week again you talked about it there Chris the Ravens don't have to change too much of their offense this isn't like a Joe Flacco type quarterbacks coming in and you know they got to change the whole offense Huntley and Jackson can run a similar type of offense now the drawbacks of Huntley are that he has not completed a pass over 30 yards this season his deep ball accuracy has not been good so he's a smart quarterback he understands when to throw the football away but he's it's kind of worth he's, it he's a Conservative aggressive quarterback, and the fact that he sometimes hesitates to make the big play, but he will also understand that he has to be aggressive in certain situations. He's good at checking the football down, good at understanding going through his reads, but you're not probably going to get those 30, 40 yard bombs from him. Whereas Jackson, his deep ball accuracy is not totally there, but he's improved it, and you're able to hit on some of those plays. So the status of Jackson right now, I'd say it's more. Unlikely than likely he plays in week 18, but it's still early in the week, so we're not entirely sure at this point. But Chris, what's the injury situation looking like for Pittsburgh right now? You talked about how Joe Hayden is on the COVID list at this point, Keith Butler. Also, what are some of the other players that Ravens fans should look out for in the injury report and the injury list that could be factors or out altogether in this game?
0: Well, I'll tell you what the Steelers before they heard, they heard about Joe Hayden, they actually were to feeling pretty good about things because uh, just before practice on Wednesday, the Steelers got back uh, Devin Bush, they got back Joe Showbert, they got back um, Arthur Mallett, uh Zach Banner, so I mean, and, uh, um, and Anthony McFarland. So like, they got back a slew of players that they were missing. I mean, this last game against the Browns, they went in with their last inside linebacker because Buddy Johnson, their their fourth string inside linebacker, their last inside linebacker of Robert Spillane and, and, and Ulysses Gilbert. And then we're using Marcus Allen, a converted safety to be their, their other inside linebacker presence. So, I mean, and, and for all and purposes, they, they held down the fort. Um, but you know, right now there's, there's questions on the Steelers offensive line. Dan Moore Jr. Had an a- ankle injury, the starting left tackle who limited miles Garrett to just a single tackle and no sacks on Ben Roethlisberger in this last game. He has an ankle injury. Didn't practice Wednesday. Little concerning. Mike Tomlin brought it up, but he said like, you know, he felt like something was weird the last game, but he toughed it out and he really finished strong. But now it's obvious he needs some time to recover. Um, another offensive line injury, Trey Turner with a knee injury. He didn't practice. Now he's had some injuries where he's missed. A, he's missed like a couple practices and they'll come back late in the week because he's a veteran and they trust him to be able to do that. Um, but this, this could be an interesting week because. Uh, Kendrick Green also the, the team center who kind of took a step back because he hasn't been playing well on top of being injured. Uh, and J.C. Hassenauer is taking his place. He was limited in practice with a calf injury. You might see him, maybe they try to put him at guard or something else because John was a much better center in the game against the Browns than really Kendrick Green was all season long. Um, and that's just been a, he, He's a converted guard in the first place from Illinois. So, you might see some switching up there, but I mean, the Steelers guard situation is rough because uh, John Leglue is their current starting left guard. And he's the fifth guy they've called upon to play that position with all the injuries they've had. Um, So those are the main ones. Buddy Johnson's a backup linebacker. He didn't practice, but he's a rookie. He's very much the back of the thing. Um, Terrell Edmonds was limited with a groin. He'll be, he'll, he'll most likely play in this game. And Ben Roethlisberger doing his normal Ben Roethlisberger. I don't, I barely practice on Wednesday. I'll keep as I can for the end of the week. So, main thing here, Joe Hayden, probably not playing because of COVID. The defensive coordinator, Keith Butler, is out. And keep your eye on those offensive linemen. See if the Steelers have to call even more reserves to that position.
1: Yeah, there there are a ton of things to happening and going on with both injuries. But, Chris, you know, kind of rounding out the show, I think talking about the AFC North is key here because it's such a talented mm -hmm, division mm -hmm. and one that – I think, look, we we talked about for a majority of the year, hey, there are going to be four playoff teams this year from the AFC North. Now, at this point, it seems like it's just going to be one pending some miracles for the Ravens or the Steelers. But, Chris, what's your kind of perspective on the AFC North heading into the 2022 offseason when we do get there? Is this kind of a changing of the guard thing where it's all Cincinnati is going to be dominant for the next five, ten years and it's their division or do you still see potential with you know a banged up Ravens team, a banged up Steelers team, a Browns team that has talent? What what's your stance on the AFC North
0: right now? I, I I said all along that I thought the Steelers and the Ravens would still be the teams that would be battling to the end. I was surprised by how quickly the Bengals caught on. I thought they would have much more injury problems with their offensive line being what it is. I thought Joe Burrow was going to take a lot a lot of hits and not get up as, from as many of them. Credit to Joe Burrow; he's proven to be a very tough quarterback and a very good quarterback that has you know put himself in MVP. Contest conversations this year with the way that he's played so the Bengals deserve that credit but I I don't think I'm ready to just say that the AFC North has just lost to the Bengals for the next decade or so because Joe Burrow's in town I still think Lamar Jackson is a fine quarterback who's going to keep the Ravens relevant they're going to be able to continue to retool around him get him more weapons you know reload up the defense and I think the Ravens will be back at it and I think the Steelers if there's nothing else that Mike Tomlin has shown you over the past several decades the the, the 15 years of not having a losing season the longest streak to start a, a, a coach's career in NFL history, it's that he is able to form the team around strengths, cover up weaknesses and say, hey, this team might not be the best team out there, but they're going to give you a fight. And you I mean, look at this year, Ben Roethlisberger, this is easily the worst year of his career. And they're sitting here at eight, seven and one with it, with a chance to make the playoffs in the final week of the season in the year where Ben Roethlisberger didn't even play uh, because he, he was hurt just two years ago. They had it. Was, it was funny. They were in Baltimore with a chance, with an outside chance to kind of win uh, with Devlin Hodges at quarterback and get some help to try to make the playoffs. So there's. You know, I, I think that Mike Tomlin is going to find a way to reinvest what the Steelers have, rebuild up the ground game, invest in that offensive line so that they have better starters next year um, and for the, and for the years to come. Let Najee Harris be a focal point. You either to, you know, take a veteran or a rookie quarterback that you want to develop, let him kind of manage games and then reinvest in that defense, make them one of the best units in football again, because they certainly have the top tier X factor guys to be, to, to lead the way to do that, but they need more role players for that. So I, I think honestly, you're going to see, um, you're going to see these teams keep duking it out. I, I wouldn't bank on the Bengals just automatically repeating next year. Um, I, I think the Bengals, they've had a great year, but they've also been the least, uh, you know, the least accosted team when it comes to injuries. You know, the Ravens have been decimated. The Steelers have not decimated as much as the Ravens, but they've dealt with serious serious injuries. The Browns, I mean, you were on that AFC North preseason call when I told Jeff Lloyd that, that I said they were going to go nine and eight. And he came at me saying that they was uh, that I was over that I was over that I was you know, calling them to regress when there's no way they could, and I was—I overstated them with the with with the nine and eight prediction. Um, you know, so I, the Browns, I think, have a lot of structural issues that still are going to plague them for, for for some time. And I think a lot of it is around Baker Mayfield. If they get rid of him, if they get someone else, I think that they might be, they might be right up in the mix, but I think this AFC North division for the next, you know, you, you've got two franchise quarterbacks in, in Jackson and Burrow. Um The Steelers are going to be looking for their guy very soon, but with all that, these are organizations that are finding ways to compete. I think it, they're going to be in the run for the, for, for the foreseeable future.
1: Yeah. And, and, it's not even franchise quarterbacks for me, Chris. It's the other franchise players. TJ Watt for Pittsburgh, yep. Miles Garrett for Cleveland, mm-hmm. you know, Marlon Humphrey, some of these defensive players there. You know, Cincinnati has Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, that trio. So, you know, while there are, like, great quarterbacks and obviously Pittsburgh's going to be looking for theirs, Cleveland – I think for a lot of the other AFC North teams, hopefully they stick with Baker Mayfield.
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> kind of, yeah. it's the joke right now. The, so yeah, please sign him to a big, you know, huge, huge deal for the next five years.
1: Right. But with all these th- talents, with how banged up the Ravens have been, the Steelers have gone through their injury issues. Even Cleveland's been through theirs. I mean, Baker Mayfield, you know, for how poorly yeah. he's played, he has been very, very injured this mm-hmm. season. So, You know, Cincinnati, I think we can all agree, has been a bit on the lucky side with injuries. But, hey, it happens, you know, I think a year for every NFL team. Mm -hmm. So Cincinnati, this was the year. In 2019, the Ravens had two major injuries. They went 14-2. and So it, it happens that way sometimes. But I think, you know, you can't write off Pittsburgh. You can't write off Baltimore. We'll see what happens with Cincinnati, how they decide to go forward building that offensive line around Joe Burrow and Cleveland how they decide to go at Baker Mayfield but this is a division that I am also not ready to hand over to Cincinnati and say you know what Joe burrow and Jamar Chase are going to be terrorizing it for years and they're going to go 13 and four every no you know they're going to be good they're going to be in the thick of things but I think that the AFC North has you know a, a ton of talented teams overall
0: uh, same here. There's a, there's a lot of talent. And, and again, it's, it's something that I talk about every year. Organizational integrity is a real thing. You know, having guys in the front office, having good leadership, you know, they having, you know, head coaches that know how to weather storms and know how to rebuild and retool and, and focus on guys to develop guys. Tomlin does it a lot. Harbaugh does it a lot. We'll see if Zach Taylor does that in the long run. He's had a really good year this year. Let's see if he keeps that, keeps that up. Um, Kevin Stefanski was the guy last year, but we're seeing this year is the, not as consistent i think there's two models of consistency in, St- in, in pittsburgh and baltimore we'll see if the Bengals emulate that i think they have a, the talent to emulate that but we'll see if they can if they can keep it up but ultimately I, I think what you have here is you might have one of the more fun divisions to watch over the next decade or so with the talent that are on all these rosters
1: yeah absolutely and You know, people people look to the NFC West and say, you know, well that's the best division in football. Mm -hmm. You know, it's certainly talented, but I think, you know, the AFC North, I think, gives it a run for its money. Maybe it's not. Maybe the NFC West is one. The AFC North is two. But I still think that with how much talent there is, I think every year there could be a new division winner.
0: There could be. I mean, for a long time, there has been. You know, it's, it's been it's been a flip. You know, for years, it was really just flip-flop between the Steelers and the Ravens, occasionally the Bengals. Um, but, you know, it, it's kind of what been what's defined the AFC North. I think that you're going to see more of that in the coming, uh, the coming years. But we'll certainly see how this plays out. The Bengals have said they're arresting Joe Burrow in their final game against the Browns so that he can be ready for the playoffs. The Steelers and the Ravens, the winner, has to hope that the Jaguars beat the Colts, and then the Steelers just have to hope that – the game doesn't end in a tie. How crazy would that be? If that was what knocked them out of the playoffs between the Raiders and chargers. And I believe the, the Ravens need the chargers to win, right? Or they need the Raiders to win.
1: Yeah. It's the chargers. I believe.
0: It, okay. It, it's so, but I mean, it, the chargers win that helps that helps either team, but it's it's going to come down to really that one o'clock hour uh, for, for, for a lot of people who wins this game and do the Jaguars pull off the upset. They haven't lost to the Colts in Jacksonville since 2014. But of course, Urban Meyer. That 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 has uh that has that has flipped a lot of things for, for the for the Jaguars this year. We'll see how that goes moving forward. Kevin, it's so great to do this with you, you know, every year. Um, you know, it's awesome that we get to do Steelers Ravens week twice twice a year. Um, unfortunately, it can't be three times a year because you know, either both of these teams or one of these teams are gonna, only gonna make the playoffs. But um, let people when they can find you, follow you, and get more of your work.
1: Yeah, it's always great doing these with you, Chris. And for me, I'm on Twitter at Chaos Striker34. Uh, Obviously, you can find me on the Lockdown Ravens podcast. We do that just like Lockdown Steelers five days a week. And also, I'm the managing editor for Ravens Wire. So if you want Ravens written content to keep up on the team throughout this Ravens and Steelers week and beyond, you can find my work on there.
0: Absolutely. You can find me, Chris Carter, on Twitter and Instagram at Carter Critiques. You can find the Locked On Steelers podcast. Just so you can find Locked On Ravens, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, YouTube. If you find this YouTube video, hit the like button. Hit the subscribe button to our channels. Really helps us out. Also, leave us five-star ratings, positive reviews on Apple. Those help us out as well. We'll each be bringing one final show on Friday, getting you ready for Sunday, 1 o'clock, Steelers-Ravens in Baltimore. We'll see you there.